welcome to the Farming on Purpose podcast. Today's challenges in agriculture are new, but the grit and determination required to be successful have been handed down for generations. On the Farming on Purpose podcast, we preserve the ag heritage and traditions we built our identity on while pursuing the American dream of multi-generation farms that innovate for the future. Listen along as we share stories of how farmers and ranchers are building legacies, both in their business and their character, for the sake of those they'll pass the reins to. I'm your host, Lexi Wright, and I'm excited to talk with you about the financial, generational, and production challenges facing producers in the ag industry today. This podcast is brought to you by Back Pocket Social Marketing. And yes, this is Lexi here. This podcast has been a real passion project for me. All the time that goes into interviewing guests, editing, and producing the show is sponsored by my freelance marketing agency. We specialize in website design, social media advertising, content creation and management, and email marketing. If you like to take a foundational approach to your marketing and figure out exactly what's working for you and what's not, and really focus on efficiency, then you would be a great candidate to work with us. You can reach out and talk with us more at Lexi at BackPocketSocial.com. We would love to help you solve your marketing challenges. Welcome back to Farming on Purpose. Today we are tackling a important issue in agriculture, and that is mental health. Now, before you turn the episode off, because I know this is a challenging topic and one that is difficult to talk about, I'll just say that I'm not going to just give you the statistics and talk about that this is a serious issue. I would like to try to provide some resources and some new lines of thought around this topic, but please understand I am not a mental health professional. I'm not a counselor or a therapist. I have no medical degrees or anything like that. All I'm um, wanting to talk about today is how this issue affects people involved in agriculture and what we as individuals can try to do about it. Okay, so let's get started. Now, the very first thing I think it's important to understand is exactly what this issue is. And before we talk a little bit about some of the statistics that are available and the information that's out there, First, I want to start by saying that these are not just statistics. These are people with families and farms and lives. So when we talk about this, please remember that some of these people that are being summed up and their whole lives are being summed up in numbers have legacies and families that are left here to pick up the pieces and are grieving. And that's in some extreme cases of that person's no longer here anymore. And it's also in some less extreme cases, I would say still extreme, of this person will never be the same again. So as we talk about these and we talk about numbers, just remember that these are these are people. These are people that could be you or me or a mother or a father, a daughter, a son, any of those things. So I think it's just important anytime that we talk about mental health and any kind of health issue really to remember that these are important issues, but... We can't just sum them up with a bunch of numbers and a bunch of organizations that have links and phone numbers. So um, all of these issues are deeply personal. 
All right. So why is mental health such an important and prevalent issue on farms and ranches and agriculture? A lot of things add up to this. Um, For one, farming being a very isolating career. Um, A lot of us are out in the middle of nowhere, rural areas, not a lot of social interaction, um, potentially not seeing another human being for days at a time. Getting a lot of jobs done all on our own, being completely self-reliant and independent, and also being people that are probably not super likely to ask for help. Um, A lot of us also come from family dynamics that place a lot of value on, you know, shouldering the burden alone, Um, not talking about our feelings, not talking about our emotions, not admitting that something might be in us that is struggling to rise to the challenge of whatever is going on in our life. Farmers and ranchers also work very long, hard days. And a lot of those days start before the sun comes up and ends after the sun goes down. And I don't have to tell you guys that, that you you know it. But because of those long work hours, a lot of us tend to focus on the task at hand of the animals need fed, the farm work needs done, before prioritizing something else like our health in any aspect. Some of you know that I... uh, go on TikTok and I like to talk on on there and see what everybody else is saying because there's a lot of things people talk about there that they won't talk about anywhere else. Um, But I follow a guy called Dr. Glockholm Flecken. Apologize my mispronunciation there. And he talks about how in rural areas, how the medical system is stressed. And a lot of his videos are really entertaining just about, you know, when a farmer comes into a health clinic, you know, the issue is actually very serious because the fact that they are there is impressive. Most farmers probably don't willingly go in to a health clinic unless the situation is very dire. So anyway, we prioritize work over our own health most often. And that's just kind of part of the lifestyle, I think, to do that. It's pretty common. A lot of us also don't really think of stress as being something that affects us as a farmer. Um, I think this is kind of fading out, but for a long time, we used to think of agriculture as, you know, it's not a stressful job. Stressful jobs are for those guys who wear suits to work every day and, and have to make a commute. We don't have stressful jobs, but the opposite is actually probably true. Uh, we experience stress in a different way, um, knowing that we have jobs that at times put our physical well-being in danger and uh, that we also directly impact our income a lot of the time. We also don't really have any good ways of dealing with that stress. It's very difficult for us to take a vacation. You know, I actually recently heard of someone who told a farmer, I can't remember where this was, I think it was on, it must have been on Facebook, But somebody had commented on somebody, a farmer, that was complaining about, you know, the state of the economy, the state of the markets right now. And he told him to go seek a less stressful job. And I was like, you know what? That's actually advice that they give people to go seek a less stressful job if you're, you know, having negative impacts or negative thoughts because of your work. That's really not an option for most of us. Um, It it technically is. You can always do whatever you think is best for you. You can sell the farm. You can go get a town job. 
if that's what's best for you. But most of us never consider that as even being an option because it's too much of our identity. It's just not something that we would ever think of doing. Um, so we can't go find a less stressful job. Uh, lack of health insurance is also a big contributing factor. A lot of folks that maybe know, maybe even know that they need help with this, some mental health aspects are not willing to go in and get help because it's not covered by their insurance or because they are too afraid to know what the bills might look like to get help with something that they may see as unnecessary or optional. Now, a lot of us, we know that these issues are prevalent. We've known this for a long time. Um, I'm going to share some numbers about these statistics and, and these issues and the things that relate to them. Most of the stats that I'm pulling either came from ruralhealthinfo.org or from fb.org, um, FB being Farm Bureau. So if you have any interest in um, learning more about that, um, I do also include a few points of information from nationalfarmersunion.org. So if you have any interest in any of the numbers or where things came from, you can start there. And I'm also going to link these articles in the show notes for you as well. So on farmaid.com, the most recent numbers that they have are from 2018. So just take that into note. Uh, these are pre-COVID numbers, uh, and I think that's important to recognize. So right now, it says, which uh, right now to them is 2018, as farmers struggle with a 50% decrease in net farm income since 2013, the incidence of farmer stress is reaching a high point. In 2018, the median net farm income was a loss of $1,548. Prices are not expected to rise in the near future. And we can say, as a reflection on that, now it being past 2018, where we're at there. More than half of the U.S. farm households have lost money in recent years. The number of farmers filing for Chapter 12 bankruptcy protection has risen to a level not seen since the 2008 recession. Now, I'm reading all of that from a standpoint of 2018 when that article was written. Now, I do want to note that funds were made available towards the mental health issue in rural communities in the 2018 Farm Bill. Some other stats I want to talk about is that in 2016, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, commonly known as the CDC, released a study that those in farming, fishing, and forestry occupations experienced a rate of suicide that was nearly five times that of the general population. Now, this statistic is one that I have been seeing thrown around a lot on social media lately, and I'm hearing a lot of people reference it, but accuracy in this data and these numbers is something that is really important to me. Um, I think a lot of us involved in agriculture, we like numbers. We like to know the facts behind the stories that we're telling. The problem is that those numbers are not always representative of what we think that they are. So in 2016, the CDC released this statistic, but they actually later retracted it. There were coding errors for certain occupational groups, according to the CDC, and this farming, fishing, and forestry subset of people, they decided it actually did not rank the way that they thought it did. So when they retracted this data, they actually said they're retracting it because it only provides a snapshot for the years 2012 and 2015 and is limited to the 17 states that participated in the National Violent Death Reporting System that was being utilized in both of those years. 
those 17 states that we're reporting only represent about 25% of the number of farms in the U.S. And that number includes agricultural workers, but does not include self-employed farmers and ranchers or agricultural managers. So you can see where this number kind of becomes problematic. And I love that people are using this number to make a point that there is a very serious issue here when it comes to mental health in rural communities, in agricultural communities, and in the farmers and ranchers themselves. But these numbers also matter and how we use them matters. So let's just all be careful as we're telling the story of mental health in agricultural communities to double check our facts, understand where the data is being pulled from and how it's being used to tell a story. In a time where the media can make a story out of just about anything, I think that it is more important than ever for us to recognize the importance that we as people in the agricultural community who understand these issues have to be accurate in our information and to truly understand how the information we're sharing what it means, where it came from, and how we can use it going down the road. Moving on from my soapbox there. Um, We know this is an issue. The number doesn't matter, but it does matter to know where the numbers come from. Next statistic I want to share is depending on the type of farm, 57 to 83 percent of small family farms operate at a high risk level in terms of operating margin, which is nearly double that of larger family farms. Nearly 40% of mid-sized family farms operate at a high risk level as well. I think this tells us a lot, um, just knowing how financial risk and financial stability plays a part in how we think about our business, how we think about the way that we're taking care of our family, the way that many of us feel a generational responsibility to continue the legacy of our grandparents and and make sure that the farm stays financially sound. This number, these numbers of, I mean, 57 to 83% of small families farms and 40% of mid-sized family farms. That's a huge number of farms of that are operating at high risk level, which means from an investment standpoint, nobody's investing in those. That would not be a sound investment that most financial advisors would advise you to make. But here we are, living our lives, going about our day-to-day life, operating in these high-risk margins and expecting everything to just be hunky-dory. It's no wonder that we have a prevalence of mental health issues in agriculture. Now, this is not in my words, but current economic conditions are being compared to the 1980s farm crisis. And that is a time when farmer suicides increased dramatically. We know that we are in difficult times and we know that there could be more ahead. So if you have concerns about your own health or someone you know's health, now is not the time to be silent. Now is not the time to think, well, I can't take them a casserole because they're not physically sick, so I don't know what to do and I'm just not going to do anything. Now is not the time for that. Now we'll talk a little bit about resources and what's available as far as organizational help in a minute, but I want to talk about what we can do on an individual level first. So first, the issue, as we discussed from those statistics, is not just suicide. Suicide is obviously the worst case scenario when we talk about mental health, but mental health affects our industry in so many other ways besides suicide, which is a 
dramatic and terribly horrible piece of the story, but it's not the whole story. In the grand scheme of all of this, we work in an industry that has incredibly remarkable challenges that are very serious. Uh, The market changes, input costs rise, global population continues to increase. The only people who are equipped to solve these issues are farmers and ranchers and the industries that support them. There really is not another option. When our mental health is at risk as farmers and ranchers who are facing these challenges and trying to solve these challenges, when our mental health is at risk, when we are stressed, when we are not in our best mental state, how will we ever be creative enough? How will we ever be able to even have the capacity to focus on solving these issues when all we're doing is trying to get through the day, when all we're doing is trying to make it past the next set of bills that are due. And I say this not from a place of, hey, it's your responsibility, go ahead and just take that load on too. I say it from a place of, we are the only ones that are capable of solving these problems. And I genuinely believe that. You know, technology is going to have a role. Science is going to have a role. All these things are going to have roles. But the people out there doing the production also play an incredibly vital role in that process. So if we never get the opportunity to think about how to solve these issues because our entire capacity is consumed with the survival of our farm or possibly the survival of ourselves as a person, then our industry will never move forward. And that is a terrible place to be as an industry. So again, I say that not as a, hey, this is your thing you have to figure out too. Go ahead and just add that to your plate. I say it as, I want everyone to understand how serious of an issue this is. It's more than just saving farmers and ranchers from committing suicide. Although that in and of itself should be a red flag, should be a serious enough issue. It's not just that though. It's about giving people the chance to solve the issues that are going to affect our world for its entire future. Everything. That may sound a little bit dramatic, but I truly believe that that is the the case. So how can we as individuals move forward on this issue and try to do what we can to support it? I think a lot of us that know people who are in one of these positions, or if we ourselves are in one of these positions, we may not at this exact moment be in a mode of crisis or distress. And a lot of the resources that are out there speak to specifically people who are in crisis or distress. So if you know that that could be a possibility for you, your future, but you're not there yet, what resources do you have available to you? Um, one of them that I would say is to focus on preventative or proactive kinds of things that you can do to help your mental health and to help your stress management. Some of these things, if you don't want to think about it or if you don't want to talk to a loved one in your life about mental health, you can use terms that might be a little bit less uh, stigmatizing, such as just general health, focusing on managing your stress about making smart decisions for the future, to avoid stress in the future, things like that. So another way that you could also do this is to talk to them um, or talk to someone 
about what's causing the stress instead of the stress itself. So a lot of us, you know, commodity prices might be something that's causing us stress. The weather, all of these things. And talking about them isn't going to change them, but talking about them is an opening of the door to talk about the other things if that's the point you need to get to. So talk about work, talk about the job, and then talk about what the work and the job is causing to talk about how you can improve, you know, your reaction to what's going on and next steps so that you don't continue to experience those negative emotions, those stress-causing factors. And I know in some of these cases, it's unavoidable. You're not going to be able to get away from it, but we can try to manage our mindset around it. I know there are also a lot of us who do have an older generation around on the farm who may have been through a similar situation before. If you have someone in your life that farmed through the farm crisis in the 1980s, hearing what they felt and what they thought during that time might be incredibly helpful. A less specific example, just sharing stories of how you have experienced stress on the farm, how you've experienced stress with managing finances on the farm or the ranch in the past can alleviate the stigma around some of these issues. And knowing that these challenges have been faced and overcome or at least gotten through by people that we know can be incredibly helpful. Something else that this might help us to do if we're in this situation or we know someone who's in this situation is to identify what we are experiencing. I can speak from personal experience that if we are dealing with a mental health challenge, we may not even be aware of it. Um, I recently struggled with postpartum anxiety after my fourth baby was born, and I didn't even understand that that's what I was going through, that that's what was going on. I knew what postpartum anxiety was. I knew what the symptoms were. I'd been talked to about it. I'd read articles about it. I actually was very familiar with it, but... I didn't think that that could possibly be what was affecting me. I thought I was just stressed and tired. Uh, what I think we need to understand about mental health is that it's not a yes or no issue. It's a spectrum. Stressed and tired may very well be something more if it's affecting you in a negative way repeatedly. So hearing about people's circumstances and things that they've gone through can help us to identify what's happening to us in a new way that we may just have never thought about it in that frame of reference before. We may have always just been told, you know, this is the job, this is how it is, this is how you deal with it. And that's not always helpful. Maybe this is the job, but maybe there's different ways to deal with it. Maybe this is the job, but maybe it's affecting us in a way that it didn't affect somebody else. Another piece that I think we can do on an individual level to try to manage our mental health and our wellness um, is to be conscious of the input in our lives. So a lot of us that live in remote areas and don't have a lot of interaction socially, we kind of contend to just circle the drain with our thoughts you know, get stuck in a rut of thinking just about this one thing and hyper-focusing on a situation that's causing us stress or that we want to be different, but we don't have the power to make different. So I think it's really important to be conscious of the inputs that we are allowing in our life. And having some input is important. If we're just sitting alone all day with our thoughts and dwelling on them 
then that's not helping us get to a place of progress. You know, at some point when we've circled the drain so many times with our thoughts, we're not going to get anywhere. There's not going to be any new ideas or new thoughts or new solutions. That's going to be it. We've exhausted our mental limits. So bringing in some additional outside perspective can be really helpful. But we need to be careful with what that outside perspective is. Now, controlling our influence is something that can be a real struggle because when we are having mental health challenges, a lot of times we're looking for a distraction. So we might turn to social media. Social media can be very dangerous if you are in a state of questioning a lot of things or not feeling very confident about your worldview. Then social media, an unfiltered place to collect opinions from everybody and anybody about all kinds of things can actually just cause more mental unrest and not bring you any peace or distraction at all, but make make the situation more aggravated. Similarly, a lot of us who live in rural areas, especially if we're still back in our hometown, the influences on our life are hard to change. There's not a lot of options for different influences, especially if we're talking about in-person influences. And those relationships we have with people, whether they're harmful or helpful, we've probably had since kindergarten or maybe even before. So cutting a negative influence out of your life, if they've been part of your life for the last 30 plus years, is a pretty big challenge to do and not something that any of us should do lightly. But we do need to recognize patterns and people in our lives that may be causing the situation to be more stressful than it should be. People who are focusing on stressors and dragging out problems instead of focusing on solutions and finding ways that we can live with the situation or improve the situation. So I understand, I recognize that that is not an easy place to be when you're trying to change the influence in your life. A lot of it sometimes is just an awareness. Be aware of the people and the influence that they're having in your life. Be aware of maybe spending less time with a person when you're in a certain mindset and how that might be able to help you change your mindset. Be aware that just because you've always hung out with so-and-so and and you've always talked about the same old thing every time you get together doesn't mean you have to keep hanging out with that person if it is negatively impacting your life in a consistent way. The important piece here, I think, is whether we are turning to friends, family members, neighbors, or people online on social media, mentors that we've found, podcasts, wherever you're getting the outside input and the influence in your life, focus on identifying people that are pouring into you in a positive way, not people that are aggravating your situation, that are making the situation worse, that are focusing on the negative aspects. It's okay to vent. It's okay to talk about what you're going through. It's okay to to have a negative thing that you need to process. It's not bad to feel negative feelings, but if we stay in that state and we continue to hyper-focus and always be venting, we're never going to get past that. So we need to find people with positive solutions and positive mindsets and people who've been through the things that we've been through that we can talk about these things with and get to a better place because that's the goal. The goal is to make progress and get past this, not to dwell in it, not to just sit there and marinate 
in these negative thoughts and, and not seek ways out. And I've questioned this before, you know, like I'm, I'm an independent person. I can think for myself. I can think positive thoughts even if I'm surrounded by negativity or even if so-and-so says negative things. But I, I think we discredit the powerfulness of the human brain and how much our mindset and our thoughts impact our reality. If we talk about things and focus on things, that is our life. That becomes our day-to-day. So continuing to be stuck on particular issues and challenging situations that are stressing us out doesn't change our reality. It actually just makes that reality expand. There's an old adage that says that you become like the five people that you surround yourself with most. And I think that's absolutely true. And it can happen over time and unexpectedly and in ways that we don't always recognize because we're kind of blind to it. So this plays so much into mental health. It's not the only piece of it. You know, if if we have an imbalance of some kind or we're facing a diagnosable mental health issue, then this is just a small piece of the puzzle. But it is a piece that we can control, that we as an individual have authority over. And when it comes to mental health, there is so much that is not in our control. So I think it's empowering to recognize and lean into the things that we do have control over. And this point is what leads me into the connection to why we're talking about mental health on the Farming on Purpose podcast. And that is because our purpose, our drive in life, our thing that we are focusing and working towards, our goals, have so much to do with mental health. Purpose affects everything. We all want things to make sense. We want for there to be a why. We want for there to be an end goal, a point to it all. And I think sometimes when we think about, you know, what is your purpose or what is the purpose of your life and your career and what you're doing, we can tend to over-define that and think that it has to be this huge thing that is, you know, going to be so impactful and people are going to think, wow, that's your purpose. And that's not it at all. All that our purpose is, is a very clear understanding of why we are doing the things that we are doing in our life. Why we are making the choices we are making. So much in our life comes to us through routines and traditions and reasoning that was passed down to us at a very young age. You know, when you were five years old and you were taught that you know, at the end of the day, we pick up our toys because that's the right thing to do. Or, you know, in the fall, it's time for us to go back to school. Those things are routine that was taught to us. If we don't understand why we are doing those things, we can lose our sense of purpose very quickly. And everything at that point comes into question of why are we doing this? What, what is the end goal of this? Is there a reason? Does this even make sense that we're doing this? Or is it just something that everyone has always done? So we celebrate the holidays in a particular way because that's what we've always done. That's what we experienced. We have that tradition built into our family. We say, no, we can't kick off early to go to a community event because the trailer isn't cleaned out and we don't leave it like that in this family. We calve in February because that's when our herd has always calved. When we start to say we do this because that's the way we've always done it or because we've never known any different, that is when we don't have a purpose. We don't understand our why or the reason behind the things that we're doing. 
We may not even have a why. We're just doing it because it's routine. And those routines can contribute to our lives in negative ways and add on to the pile of things that we're feeling or things that are negatively impacting our mental health while we're paying attention to other things and not even noticing that these routines that we've always done are adding on to the stress in an unnecessary way because we don't even know why we're doing them. Understanding why we do what we do helps us take control of the things that we have power over. Like when we calve or when we plant or how we divide the responsibilities around our farm or our home. Like the things that we say yes to and how we spend to choose time with family. Connecting those things back to your why is what gives you power over them. And it may not change anything. It may mean nothing is different. But if you know why you're doing them, it gives you purpose. Now, if you don't know what your why is or what your purpose is, if this is something you've never even considered or thought about before, and you don't know how to identify it, it's actually not as complicated as a lot of people make it out to be. All you really need to do um, is to think about the things that you prioritize. What are the things that matter to you? The things that you will always make time for? The things that you think about being a very specific way when you think about the future? Those are the things that are probably your priorities. And usually our why supports our priorities or vice versa. When we understand our purpose, it takes us from directionless and frustrated with our situation and no idea if what we're doing matters to saying, I don't leave the trailer full of crap because this is an asset on our farm that will serve us for the next 20 years. It takes us to, we take time away from work intentionally every week to support strong family relationships and everyone's well-being. It takes us to, I'm not going to attend this community event because it's the middle of calving season and these calves are building my herd this year, but I will attend the next one because being part of my community is also important to me. And I recognize that saying those things may feel really silly and thinking about it from that lens may just make you feel like, this is dumb, like I think these things already, I know these things already, and and you may know them. But taking the time to recognize the reason behind the things that you do helps you find those little things in your routine and in your life that you've been doing that you really aren't doing for any particular reason and they may be holding you back. And this way of looking at things helps us make sure that the decisions we're making on a daily basis and the things that we're spending our time on day in, day out, season on season, actually add up to things we care about actually add up to where we're spending our time in our life. And that's what our purpose is. Our purpose doesn't have to be some grand world-changing thing. All it is is understanding that the reason we do things add up to something we care about. That's all. I'm going to wrap this podcast episode up by saying the most important part, and that is if you need help, please take the time to get it. The work will still be there tomorrow, The people that love you will understand and you will get through this. If you can talk to someone you know, then please do. If you can talk to someone local that has the resources to help you, then please do. If you want to talk to someone else that's not local or not someone you know, you can call 1-800-FARM-AID and they can provide you with resources. If you are in crisis or distress, 
you can call the National Suicide Hotline at 800-273-8255. Lastly, if you know someone who needs support and you aren't sure what to do, you can contact Farm Aid for resources. Or, whether you know someone or not, I would strongly encourage you to show your support for those who are tackling these issues. These people are part of our community. These people have illnesses and challenges that we may know absolutely nothing about, but we know that this is a powerful issue our community is facing. It doesn't matter what the stats say. We know that farmers and ranchers are at increased risk for mental health challenges. So what can you do? You can do those things we talk about that you can do on an individual basis. You can donate to an organization. You can become familiar with the resources available and spread awareness. Many of these organizations that we rely on to be there when we are in critical need are short-staffed and rely basically only on government or donation funding. So if you can do some part to help, please consider doing so. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Farming on Purpose, and let's all remember to do the things in our own personal power that we can to fight the mental health challenges facing rural America. Do you know someone building their ag legacy or with stories of yesteryear on the farm that need to be shared? Please let us know or help them apply to be a guest on the show at farmingonpurpose.com guest. If you've enjoyed spending time with us today, please take a moment to review the show on Apple Podcasts or give us a share on social media. You can follow the host of Farming on Purpose, Lexi, at, at Farming on Purpose on all social media. And let us know what topics you want to hear more about.